and starting at verse 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, uh, Josh, so much for reading uh, for us. Uh, good evening, everyone. My name is Andy Raphead. I'm the curate here at St. Paul's. Um, let's pray as we come to God's word uh, now. Father God, uh, you tell us, Lord, that uh, your word is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, cutting through and judging the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. And so, Lord, as we come to uh, just to dwell on these words of Jesus, hard words of Jesus, challenging words, uh, we really plead that you would speak by your Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, to speak to each one of us what we need to hear from you tonight. And we pray in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen. Amen. Just to reiterate, it's hot, so if you need some water, there is water at the back. Uh, so please do, just uh, if you need to get that any time, uh, please do so. Um, and I'm actually just going to pour myself a little bit of water, so I've got that ready to go as well. Wonderful. Okay, so we're, we're continuing on in Luke's Gospel, and... Um, there's a, a key question that Luke, the writer of um, this book, is exploring. And it's this. What does it mean, what does it really mean to follow Jesus? For so much up until now in Luke's gospel, the question has been, who is Jesus? Who is, who's this man? Um, and now it kind of, it, it switches. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Uh, we've, we saw uh, just a, a few, well, earlier in the chapter, Jesus asks his followers, who do, you, you know, who do the crowd say I am and who do you say I am? And, and Peter correctly identifies, you're the son of God, you are the Messiah. Uh, and so that, Jesus is like, good, that's right. Now, what does it mean? Um, and so we have here, we're just, uh, Jonathan was preaching this morning um, just about the kind of the earlier bit on this as Jesus is going into what it means um, to follow him. Here's the thing. Uh, being a Christian is the best. That's what we believe. That's what those of us who are Christians and followers of Jesus believe. Being a Christian is the best. Knowing the grace of God, his love, the truth, being part of God's family for, for some of us here, perhaps you've been a Christian for a long time and you know, you know this. Um, for others, perhaps you're here and you're still seeking or you're not sure. We believe that being a Christian is the best. 
But being a Christian is also not easy. Those two things are both true. It's best, but it's not easy. And Jesus is really laying it on quite thick here um, that that is the case. And so here we see three would-be followers of Jesus. One is over-enthusiastic. I'll follow you anywhere, uh, he says. Uh, The next is hesitant. First, let me do this, and then I'll follow you. And, uh, And the third has strings attached. I'll follow you, Jesus, but... And Jesus uses each one of them as a lesson um, about what the Christian life entails, and and Luke uh, relays it to us. And at St. Paul's, St. Paul's Church, uh, we have uh, kind of our purpose statement, what we're all about is following Jesus, the words are up there, the way, the truth, and the life. We seek to follow Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. What does, but what does following look like in the words of Jesus himself? And then the kicker is this, are we prepared to live it out uh, in our lives day by day? Now, just, just before we, we dive in, just to acknowledge, this is a difficult text. I think if you were listening to Josh reading that and, and thinking, oh, this sounds great and really easy, then you might be slightly missing the point about what Jesus is trying to make, I would suggest. Um, I have a book on on my shelf in my study called The Hard Sayings of Jesus, and this passage has three chapters (laughs) on it, because these are hard sayings of Jesus. And you might even be thinking, like, what's all this about Jesus? I thought Jesus came to remove barriers to God, not put them up. What's going on here? Why why such a high bar for those um, who would follow him? Here's a, here's a key observation, and this is, where, this is kind of where we're going to land at the end um, again, but I think it's really important to say, notice that Jesus doesn't actually turn any of these three people away. He, he just sets expectations. Uh, Jesus actually invites, in all these three cases, he's inviting them to follow him. Jesus invites us to follow him, and he invites us to posture, not perfection. Jesus doesn't care about you getting everything absolutely right and feeling like you've got everything right. He just wants you, just wants to be with you. He's after us to be postured towards him, not perfection. So let's dive in. What does that kind of posture look like? That's the, that's the big question. Um, so let's look at this. I've got three, three things that Jesus invites us to, and all of them are quite tough. So let's Let's go (laughs) with that caveat in mind. So first thing Jesus invites us to is to accept alienation. So first couple of verses in our text tonight. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Even the wild beasts have somewhere to call a home. Even if it's a hole they've scratched out of the ground, but Jesus has no fixed abode. Jesus' kingdom is not of this world, and those who are with him, who follow him, our citizenship is not of of earth, but is in heaven. So to follow Jesus is effectively to renounce kind of our, our worldly home and abiding 
and to set our sights on that place uh, in heaven, the true home we have that Jesus says he's gone ahead to prepare a place for us in. And just 20 verses earlier, Jesus has been talking about this when he's starting to talk about what does it mean to follow him. Uh, Luke 9, 23, he says this. These are, again, hard words. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Jesus accepted alienation himself from many during his ministry, so much so that that it turned out he wasn't just figuratively talking about a cross, but he went to the cross. He was executed, tortured and executed on the cross by his enemies. And he calls us to be willing to stand for him and for his word. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, who's one of my heroes in the faith, uh, uh, Christian um, pastor and, um, and uh, uh, tutor at a seminary in Nazi Germany in 1930s and 40s Germany. Um, he reflected deeply on, on the words of Jesus and, and on the, those words, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up the cross and follow. He, uh, he comments this, when Christ calls someone, he bids them come and die. Christ calls someone, he bids them come and die. Serious business. Die to our old self, to our, to our old priorities, and to the mold of our culture. So Jesus warns us, being a Christian is not easy. Jesus never promised that. It involves living distinctly, and particularly when the world around us says and does uh, what, is, what is contrary, what is other to the words and way of Jesus. Um, in, uh, here's a, a few verses from Acts 14. This is, kind of, uh, this is Luke's account, volume two, from, from Luke's gospel, telling the story of the, the very early church. Um, and it says, then they, that's Paul and Barnabas, early Christian leaders, uh, returned to uh, these places, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Um, and th- these were the, the same people who, who experienced intense persecution and, you know, were, were stoned and were flogged and imprisoned uh, for the name of Jesus. So they knew this firsthand and they wanted to make it clear to the others um, as well. I want to suggest for, uh, for those of us, you know, 2,000 years later in the 21st century West, to follow Jesus is at times to be out of step with the culture on some very fundamental issues, whether that be hyper-consumption, this kind of uh, con- uh, obtain- getting more, more than we need and actually more than we can ever use. Uh, which really defines our culture. Um, so whether it be hyperconsumption, whether it be sexual relationships and identities, whether it be populist leaders or notions of justice and redemption for public figures on social media, if uh, it might be the right to the life of the unborn or the elderly or the importance of personal integrity, particularly for those in leadership. And I want to suggest, along with this first man who's come to Jesus so excited and enthusiastic, uh, each of us needs to recognize those places where we've become complicit, maybe deeply complicit with the world's purposes and pressures rather than God's, you know, where the acceptance and prestige of the world 
means more to us uh, than the honor of Christ. So as Jesus turns to you and says those words, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. I wonder which particular cultural nest or den might he be just putting his finger on for each one of us, myself very much included. It's so easily done, isn't it? It's so easily done. And sometimes it can even be this kind of subconscious thing that we only recognize when we look back and and realize the way we've been behaving and thinking um, and prioritizing. And maybe you're in a situation right now at work or in your family, um, in a network that you're part of, that actually just you're aware make it, that you're, it's, you're being kind of pressured into making your home here in this world and the priorities of the world rather than of Jesus who invites us to accept alienation uh, for him. Now, does this mean that we should purposely offend people um, or, you know, just make it really easy <laughs> to alienate ourselves? Lord, you called me to be alienated, okay, I'll make it really easy. No, <laughs> that's the short answer. No, it's not. That's completely misunderstanding um, what Jesus is saying. hundred years ago, um, the, the Votes for Women movement uh, campaign was, was in full swing um, in Britain, and the, uh, the, the suffragettes, who are these courageous, these brave women uh, who were campaigning for the vote, um, rightly so, um, but their approach was to purposely kind of get arrested in order to make headlines. So they would do things that were called technical offenses, like spitting in a policeman's face, because if that happened, they had to arrest you straight, or, or going into an art gallery and slashing the paintings, because that meant they, they had to arrest you, uh, or chaining themselves to Downing Street. You know, that was their approach uh, in order uh, to deliberately get a reaction. Um, and I'm not saying their cause is unjust at all, but Jesus doesn't call us to that kind of, um, kind of alienating ourselves just for the sake of it. So here's the thing. Let's be wise. Let's, let's stand up for Jesus, be willing to do that. Let's be wise. Let's choose our timing. Uh, let's, choose, let's aim to win people and not arguments. But be prepared for the alienation that faith in Jesus may bring. Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So that's the first thing Jesus invites us to, the hard thing he invites us to. Second difficult thing is this. Jesus invites us to prioritize proclamation. Let's go on to the second man. Jesus said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Wow. Jesus is presented with what seems to be a pretty reasonable request, doesn't it? Lord, let me arrange my dad's funeral. Um, and, And Jesus says, no. What's going on here? Proclaiming the kingdom of God is is more important. Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead. Basically saying, let that take care of itself. You've got to prioritize uh, going and witnessing um, about the good news. And 
Jesus invites us to prioritize proclamation. And the, as I was trying to thinking about this and, um, and praying about this, the, the phrase I got, I feel that Jesus is saying, is this, I hear you, but I need you now. I hear you, but I need you now. Not denying uh, the pressing concerns and our duties and our responsibilities. Jesus is not saying just, um, have, just cut off your ties from your family and, and, and care for those um, who are in need, particularly in our families. He's not saying that, but he is saying, I need you now. Um, I wanted to show, a, I'm going to tell you a little story. I wanted to show a picture, but it's, I couldn't find one. Um, Holly and I, we, in, the, in the summer before I went to go to train at Vicar School, we, um, we finished our jobs early and we spent the summer doing a, like a, a road trip. We got our tent and we kind of did a road trip around the UK and, and uh, in our car and, and, and went to stay with people and, and camp around. And um, we went to stay, uh, we did a, bit, a leg in Scotland, didn't we? Um, and we'd camped in Scotland, it was on the west coast of Scotland. Um, and during the night, an incredible gale like blew in, like this sort of ridiculous storm just blew straight in. And we were right on the right on the coast, so we, uh, the you know the the storm swept in, and there'd been no mobile signal, so you know we didn't couldn't look up what the weather was going to do. Um, so it took us completely by surprise, and everyone else on the campsite, and basically just destroyed all the tents, <laughs> apart from the ones that were inflatable because their poles couldn't snap. Um, air doesn't snap, but our, the tent just, and you know, we, you know, you, you're in there, you're kind of in the, in the tent, it's howling outside. My, my instinct is always to go, oh, it's probably not, it's probably not as bad as it, as it sounds like it is, um, which is a bad instinct. Holly got out, she was, and then, then I, I got out as well, and you know, it's just chaos all around. Now, Holly's going to remember this differently, and you can talk to her afterwards, but I got out of the tent, and I see Holly wrestling this kind of gazebo, which had like blown onto our car, and it's you know scratching up our, our car. And, um, but I was like, "That's fine, but our tent is blowing away. <laughs> I need that's fine. I I see that Holly, but I need you now to help me with the tent." <laughs> and so we we prioritised the tent, didn't we? Um, <laughs> but um, which didn't much help because it was or we basically abandoned the tent, took the stuff out, abandoned it. But there's just that sense of both were necessary things to do, but there was a priority. <laughs> Jesus says, "I see, I see that. I see you. I understand. But also, I need you now. This, this, the the call I have on your life is it cannot wait." So it's not a matter of relative importance. I want to suggest like. Proclaiming good news right at the top, like your family duties, just toss it out, unimportant. That is not what Jesus is saying. It's not a matter of relative importance, but um, it's rather a question of priority. You know, when the crisis hits, when lot is being demanded of us, where are we postured to turn to? Is it Jesus? Or if we're honest, is it something else? You know, he's, if we're, we're going to follow Jesus really effectively, he needs to have the top spot. That's what he's saying here to this, to this guy. I, he's saying, I need the top spot for you. I need you to be committed. I need to know that you're committed to this. 
So here's a question for us. What reasonable requests do you feel that you have that prevent you from following Jesus fully? They might be very reasonable indeed. I don't know, perhaps you're bereaved or someone close to you is seriously ill. Uh, Maybe you're in debt. Maybe you're in despair. You know, there's been so many times, I know, in my own life where I've put things off, things of God off, until a future milestone. If I just get this sorted, if I just get through this season, you know, when I've left home or I've graduated or I've finished this project or I've got that new job or I've just got through this difficult season. But what tends to happen is something else always comes up. And Jesus is calling us amidst all of that to hold on to him, to be postured towards him. Not denying the reasonable request, but just calling us to get our priorities right. So he's not calling us to abandon our families, but he but he is calling us to be postured to not let these things overwhelm our discipleship of Christ and his call to reach the lost with the love of God. Jesus' invitation on your life is for now, not for later. He wants it. He wants you right now. Let the dead bury their own dead, he said, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Okay, number three. Oh, dear. (laughs) Here we go. Jesus invites us to constant commitment. That's the third one for this third guy. Still another. Another one's coming up. I'll follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family, please. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Wow, Jesus, again with the serious words. What's going on here? Um, many of us are completely removed from, uh, from agriculture and farming, but Jesus' listeners there would have known exactly what he was talking about. He uses, draws on the imagery of a plow. Um, so in a, this is an agrarian society, lots of farmers, farming very important, as it still is today. And um, let's see if I can get this right. Plowing is similar to juggling. So I've got some juggling balls here. At school, I learned how to juggle. Let's see if I can, uh, let's see if I can do it. So plowing is like juggling because you have to keep your eye on what you're doing. With, uh, uh, no. And this is the same with a plow. So you'd, a farmer would have, uh, you'd have couple of oxen who'd be pulling your plow. You've got to have one hand is on the oxen, keeping them, getting them going, and the other hand is on the plow. And the thing is, with juggling and plowing, is that if you look away, <laughs> actually, I, I did better than I was thought I was going to do there. If, if you close your eyes or you look away, it all, it goes pear-shaped especially in the rocky Palestinian soil, you look back and the, the plow goes askew and you're not plowing in a straight line anymore. If you don't plow in a straight line, then you can't plant, um, you can't use your small land holding. Forget you know, farmers today having huge tracts of land. You can't, back then you'd have a small holding and you need to make 
effective use of all of it. If you're looking back the whole time, you're going to go askew, and you're not going to be able to potentially to feed your family. So it's really important to keep, that, this is what's being said, you need to keep your eyes focused um, forward. And because following Jesus involves accepting alienation and prioritizing proclamation, it also necessarily involves commitment, not looking back. How do we do this? Well, first thing, let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Keep our eyes ahead, because uh, we're following him, remember? He's going ahead of us. And you know, there's, there's the normal things. Let's, let's commit to seeking him daily in his word, letting the Bible speak to us, letting Jesus speak to us through the scriptures. Let's seek him in prayer. Let's be stepping out in faith so that we're relying on Jesus rather than always keeping it all very easy and comfortable. Let's step out in faith uh, as we follow him. And let's let go of unhelpful things from the past. That's really kind of what Jesus is getting at here, is this can be things from our past, perhaps particularly before we've become a Christian or really come to living faith, that um, if we're not careful, can can later become something that we are looking back to and that kind of has um, an unhelpful hold on us. There'll be some things that actually we need to just completely renounce. Not everything, but some things, you know, particularly, well, lifestyle, relationship practices, particularly if it's something, you know, to do with the occult, something to do, you know, with with uh, spiritual darkness, Jesus says that that needs to go. You can't be looking back um, to that. But also things that you know, that involve uh, other sinful patterns like greed and lust and violence. These things, Jesus says, you cannot be looking back at these if you're following me. Uh, and often we also need to reprioritize our, our commitment. So that unhelpful things don't have, don't have too much of a hold um, on us in a way that they did before. And you know, just getting, getting a, a Christian friend who you know and, and knows you and you can trust to be accountable with can be such a helpful thing, can pray with you on this, can be really helpful um, on that. Now, Jesus is not, you know, obviously the, the, the example that's coming here is that the man's saying, can I say goodbye to my mum and dad? Um, and Jesus uses it as, an, as a lesson. Look, there are things that you need to make sure you're looking ahead, not just looking back. doesn't mean you have to cut them off, but just get the priorities right, get the commitment in there. Um, we're coming to land. Uh, the final verse, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. We'd like to just to focus on that fit for service. Um, it's one word in Greek, euthetos. Uh, should we say that all together? Euthatos. Euthatos. Excellent. Euthatos. It literally means well-placed. You, good, well, tethos from the word to place, to set up. Well-placed. Um, it can also mean fit, suitable, usable, convenient. Basically like ready to be used by Jesus in his wonderful mission of salvation to the world. And I think here's the key thing. Jesus is not, he doesn't reject us if we mess up, but we, but we can be truly useful. We can be most useful if we posture ourselves to commit to Jesus. Does that make sense? 
Jesus isn't saying you're out <laughs> if you look back at all, but he's saying if you really want to be useful in the kingdom of God, you need to keep your eyes on the prize at all times. So, in closing, let's just come back to, to that, uh, that thing I said at the beginning, which is Jesus calls us to posture, not perfection. I think sometimes when we can read this passage, we think, oh, Jesus is just calling us to, to this ridiculous high standard. But Jesus didn't reject any of these three. We don't know what happened. The onus is back on them, whether all three of them may well have, have said yes and, and followed him. They weren't out for the count. I want to finish uh, just by reading some verses from Hebrews 12, uh, which really is kind of what we're, what we're talking about here. Um, so, Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus did all three of these things, and he accepted the alienation from the world. He prioritized proclamation for salvation. He is constantly committed to his Father and to us, to you. And remember, Jesus' words here are an invitation, not a refusal. We don't know how each of these guys responded. You're not required to be flawless. Posture, not perfection. In the end, Jesus just wants us. He just wants you. He wants to do life with you. He wants you to be with him. But he also doesn't sugarcoat it. Look at the Apostle Peter this guy who was certainly not perfect. He always put his foot in it when he could, didn't he? Got it, got it slightly wrong. Um, and he even had the, the terrible experience of denying Jesus three times, didn't he? When it really mattered, when Christ was really, really counting on him, he, uh, he bottled it. And yet, he's restored, isn't he? by Jesus, restored, forgiven, and is raised up to be this amazing Christian leader. C contrast that to Judas, another of the twelve who betrays Jesus. I want to suggest that Judas was, was not postured towards Jesus. Um, he actually, in the end, he cut himself off from the Lord. So, hard words uh, from Jesus tonight. Uh, let's have a time to pray. Can I invite you to stand? And perhaps the band can come back up. And uh, let's just have a time to pray and to allow the Holy Spirit to just kind of highlight to each one of us something that he wants us to take away uh, tonight. Um, so we pray, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit and, and come and minister to us now. Come and speak to us. Thank you, uh, Lord, that following Jesus is indeed the way. It is the truth. It is the life. 
it's, it's the best, and it's, it's something that, Lord, you would love for every person uh, to know and experience. And Lord, in the joys, we give you thanks, and where it's difficult, Lord, and where we're really like just feeling under pressure, we just come before you. Help us, Lord, uh, to follow you. Help us to accept alienation in the right way. Give us courage. Perhaps, perhaps that might be something for, for, for some of us. I know it will be. Courage from the Lord to stand. Perhaps it's a priority to proclamation. Those words from Jesus, well, those, that paraphrase, I hear you, but I need you now. Perhaps Jesus is saying that to some of us this evening. And then there's the, that commitment Lord, if there are things that you have for us to let go of, to turn away from, to, to kind of reprioritize, would you make that clear to us and help us, Lord? So we were praying before the service, a verse from two Chronicles, even, the Old Testament uh, came, came to my mind, and, and it's this. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the entire earth to strengthen those whose heart is true to him. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the entire earth to strengthen those whose heart is true to him. Uh, the Lord sees you, sees the situation, particularly if it's really difficult and, and you feel like, oh, it, in a real place of compromise. The Lord sees it and he can strengthen you. So Lord, would you come and strengthen us? Thank you that you see us. Thank you that your will is uh, for our goods and the goods of your world. Would you have your way uh, with us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.